Um, I want to start off this morning by, uh, I recently heard a, a, a pastor out of New York make this statement, and I, and I think it's so good, and I think it's worth kicking off today uh, on. He, he talked really about the, um, the interpersonal relationship we have with God, and he said this statement, uh, things are, are never as bad as you think they are, and God's always doing more than you think he is. Amen? Amen. It's never as bad as you think it is, and God's always doing more than you think he is. And so today I want to talk a little bit about our relationship with God uh, and that, the walk and, and, the, and the way that we function with him. But before we do, uh, let's go to God in a word of prayer and bless our journey this morning. Amen? Amen. You guys excited? Yeah. Come on now. All right, here we go. Father, we come to you um, as sons and daughters. We come to you eager uh, to, to walk with you this morning and to hear from you this morning, uh, to discover you this morning and to be discovered by you this morning. Father, as a, as a, as a father probes a son and daughter, as a father knows a son and daughter, as a, as a father longs for a son and daughter, so you do for us this morning and every morning. And so we come to you as sons and daughters to a wonderful, loving, gracious, generous dad. In your name we pray, amen. You ever heard something that just sounded ridiculous? Anybody? Anybody ever, you got some friends that are always talking ridiculous stuff, you know, or you just, you hear it and you go, that's ridiculous. That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Or uh, ESPN does this thing often on Sundays, for those of you that occasionally miss a Sunday and enjoy a good, uh, you know, ESPN morning. They say, come on, man. Has anybody ever seen the come on mans? You know, it's like, if, if somebody does something ridiculous on the playing field, uh, they, they, they make this come on man segment where they just go, come on, man. That's ridiculous. And sometimes you hear things in life, maybe a spouse, anybody? You know, your spouse said, you're like, that is ridiculous. Or your kids, that's ridiculous. And we all understand those moments or those things we hear in life where you just go, come on, man, that's ridiculous. And then sometimes we read scripture verses and we go, come on, man, that's ridiculous. Anybody ever read something in God's word and just said, that's Ridiculous. Anybody have the, 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 the humility to admit it? Sometimes I read God's word and I go, come on, man. That's ridiculous. Like, let me give you one. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This passage is riddled in ridiculousness. Okay, here's, here. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's ridiculous. Come on, that, that's ridiculous. Always rejoice in the Lord always that's ridiculous. And then it just gets more ridiculous. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. That's ridiculous. Can I get an amen? amen. Am, I, am I preaching to myself this morning? This is, I know it feels weird to say the Bible is ridiculous, but rejoice in everything. Be anxious about nothing that's ridiculous. It just keeps getting better. Be anxious about nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts. By every prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Every single prayer, thank you, God. Like, do you ever just read scripture and go, who was this really for? Be anxious about nothing. Always be grateful. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And you just look at that and go, what do you even do with that? What do you do with that? 
Who are these people that he's writing to that have no problems, that are bionic, that wake up happy? I have this saying I, I say a lot, and, 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 and they say, how you doing? I say, well, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Like, like I'm so good that I almost, there almost needs to be two of me. That's how good I am right now. And sometimes on Sunday morning, people say, well, my man, how you doing? I say, I couldn't be better. Like, I could not be better. And people go, why do you say that? What? Well, it's a choice. It's a choice. Could I be better? Yes, I could be 6'2". That'd be amazing. I could have fast metabolism. That'd be phenomenal. Like, I was thinking about this last night. If my metabolism was the equivalent to my appetite, anybody? You ever notice that? Like, people with fast metabolism, they're never hungry, you know? And then there's me, that like, if I eat something, it's going to hang in me for about a month. I, I could be better, but I want to talk a little bit today about gratitude. I want to talk today about gratitude because the more and more I experience life, for whatever it's worth of a guy in his mid-30s, but the more and more I experience life, the more and more I see this, this pattern in this rhythm in which people that are highly successful and highly happy are grateful. They're just grateful. And people that aren't, that, you know, you know people that don't want to be around and, and people that are just, you know, drugging through life, they're just not grateful. People, recently somebody asked me, Josh, if I have, I have a nearly five and three-year-old, so we're just kind of in the, in the very throngs. In fact, my son learned to ride a bike yesterday, which was a, was, was a big deal for me. Thank you for your applause. I appreciate that. That was awesome. Was, you guys are so thoughtful. Um, and somebody asked me recently, they said, if, if you could pass one thing on to your, your kids, what would it be? Save my hair, <laughs> right? Outside of my hair. Tracking with me? I long for my boys to be grateful. I long for them to be grateful. I know the feeling of lacking gratitude. Don't we all? You ever, you ever, you ever look at your life and go, man, my life sucks. Actually, no, it doesn't. Like if you Google Sudan or like anything, like just Google it. That is not good. Your life does not suck. But sometimes we get in that, that rut, you know, where we go, man, life's not good. This isn't good. Life isn't happy. And we just get negative. How many of you here have a tendency sometimes to slip into negativity? Is it anybody, anybody? We all do, don't we? Sometimes we just start to feel sorry for ourselves. Life's so rough. My life's not good. Yada, yada, yada. I long for my sons to walk in gratitude. But here's the interesting thing about gratitude. This is what I want to talk about today. We often think gratitude or joy is for a particular time in life. Right? Like when, when all the world's right, when you get that promotion, uh, when, when, when somebody says yes, um, uh, when, when the unexpected blessing comes along, when your kids do well, when your kids don't mess up, when your friends are nice, when you get invited somewhere, when, 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 when a big sale comes through, like gratitude always seems to fit in the box when everything's working out. 
And oftentimes we've, we haven't programmed our minds to realize that gratitude is not a function of everything working out. Gratitude's not a byproduct of all the stars aligned and things working out. Gratitude is not birthed out of everything working out. That's just not the, that's not the, the, the beauty and the essence of gratitude. And so recently I was considering Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and the ridiculousness that it is, and I asked myself the question, do you really... How do, you, how do you be grateful all the time? How do you rejoice all the time? How do you always go to God with thanksgiving? And so I thought what I would do is I would study maybe the greatest, uh, the greatest expressor of all times, David. And I said, I want to know what was going on in David's life when he expressed gratitude. I'm just curious about some of the times in David's life in which he expressed gratitude. And I want to know what was at the core of it because I want to learn from it. And so we'll start with Psalms 59 9 through 10, this will be our first one, Psalms 59, 9 through 10. You are my strength, I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress, my God whom I can rely on, God who will go before me and, let, uh, and will let uh, me gloat over those who slander me. Verse 16 through 17, but I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you, O God. You are my fortress, my God, whom I can rely on. So what is going on? David is fired up about God. David's saying, you're my strength, the one I can rely on. You're my fortress. What is going on that is so good in David's life that he's giving God all this praise and adoration? He's saying, God, you're so strong. You're so beautiful. I can take refuge in you. What is going on? King Saul and his jealousy just sent messengers to kill David. David had just got word that the greatest uh, power source in the land, the greatest strength in the land, the one who could yield all the strength and all the might was incredibly jealous over him, and he had just sent messengers to kill him. David had just found out that the greatest power in his world was jealous over him and wanted to kill him, and David said, to God be the glory, amen. Ever had somebody jealous over you? You ever felt like somebody wasn't for you? Maybe a boss, maybe a spouse, maybe a child. You ever just felt like somebody wasn't in it for you? God's word says in Proverbs 27, 4, anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Jealousy is one of those things you can't even stand in front of. It's so toxic. And in the midst of King Saul, who could yield all the fury and all the power of the land in the midst of finding out that Saul was not for him, that after serving Saul and after singing for Saul and after speaking highly of Saul and after protecting Saul, the great reward of honoring Saul was that Saul was jealous and sought to kill him and David said to God be the glory. Gratitude births out of people's toxicity towards you. You wonder what life would look like if every time somebody wasn't for you and every time somebody was nasty towards you and everybody, every time somebody didn't have your best interest in mind, and we can all relate to those moments. Boss, spouse, kid, friend, fill in the blank. We all have those moments week in and week out when you go, that person is not for me. And what if it, what if in those moments it drove you to gratitude? 
What if you could say, God, you are my strength. You are the one I rely on. You are my fortress. To God be the glory. Gratitude is birthed out of other people's toxicity towards you. Let me give you another one. Psalms 142, three through five. Let's, let's see what David was so excited about. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one to my right hand and no one concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry out to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. David says, there's nobody around, but here's what I do know. When I'm weak, you're strong. You're my refuge. You're my portion. So what's going on? David goes, I look around and there's no one to my right and there's no one to my left and I feel so alone, but oh God, be the glory. You're so near to me. You're so close to me. You are my refuge. You are my portion. You are my strength. So what is going on? That David would say, God, you're so good. After David had fled from King Saul, he found King Achish. He found refuge in King Achish until King Achish found out who David was. And as soon as he found out who David was, he expelled him away because he was so afraid that somebody would find out or that Saul would find out that David was with him. And so the king took David and said, you're no longer here. And David found himself alone in a cave, completely cast out. Have you ever felt rejected? You know what's funny about rejection? Every single one of us experience it. And it hurts so bad. We all feel it. You see somebody on, uh, on social media post, all my friends are out for dinner. And you're like, ah, weird. I'm at home. <laughs> Thought we were friends. Have you ever felt rejected on any level? Of course you have. Maybe you got passed over by a promotion, maybe somebody didn't call. Maybe your kids don't want to be around you. Maybe friends, maybe spouse. Have you ever felt rejected? Because David did. David had sought to protect and lead and defend King Saul. And King Saul said, in my jealousy, I'm going to kill you. And David flew, uh, uh, fleed to another king. And he said, I'll fight for you. I'll take refuge in you. I will defend you. And the king, once he found out he was David, he said, get away from us. And David found himself alone in a cave, cast out and rejected. Would you ever think that's a time to be grateful? No, if I'm David, I am bitter as they get. Oh my God, this is a joke. Everywhere I go, I try to serve you. I try to love you. I try to make your name great. And people are jealous over me. People are scared of me. They reject me. I'm sitting in a freaking cave by myself and I'm angry. And yet David said, when I'm weak, you're strong. You're my refuge. You're my portion. This moment of rejection births gratitude. This moment of rejection births gratitude. I love the way the story of this part ends. Scripture tells us that, and I love the way this sets it up, but Scripture says that everybody who was in distress and in debt and disconnected came to David. They all came to David. Because you know what's wild? When you have a spirit of gratitude, no matter how much you've been rejected, you're attractive. 
No matter how many people reject you, when you have a spirit of gratitude, you are attractive. There is nothing uh, less attractive than somebody that lacks gratitude. Somebody who's snotty and somebody who can never get enough and poor me and all that shenanigans. You just go, that's so unattractive. But no matter how much somebody rejects you, when you have a spirit of gratitude, you are attractive. And David found himself alone in this cave at the very bottom of the barrel. And look what his words said. You are my portion. You are my strength. You are my beauty. When somebody's jealous for you, when somebody has toxicity towards you, it births gratitude. When you experience rejection and when you experience isolation, it births gratitude. And it's funny when you look at this, because again, we have this box for gratitude, right? Gratitude is when good things happen. That's when we're grateful. We've been programmed that way. Yet David is showing us that gratitude is not when good things happen. Gratitude is when you wake up in the morning. Amen? I'll give you another one. This one may be more familiar to you. Psalms 51, 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love David. He comes to God and he says, God, bring back the joy of my salvation. Restore me. He says, create newness. Draw me close to you. Restore joy. Sustain me. God, draw me into you. What is going on that David said, Lord, come closer. Lord, restore me. Many of you know this passage. This is the response that David had after his epic fall with Bathsheba. Remember, he saw Bathsheba bathing and he said, I think I will. Thank you very much. And he killed Bathsheba's husband and he did terrible things. And in the midst of David's greatest sin, now get, get your mind around this. In the midst of David's greatest sin, there was gratitude and rejoicing. Isn't that a bit of a paradox? I mean, how many of you, when you sin, um, you, you do the like cooling off God period? Does anybody else do that? You know, like when you sin, you're like, hey God, um, we're not going to hang out for a few days, and when I do come back, we're going to act like nothing ever happened. Does anybody else do that? Like, there's no way I can go to God right now. You sit, and you're like, and you come back, you're like, oh, hey, it's Sunday again. It's fresh start. That was so last week. <laughs> that never happened. We got any avoiders? Does anybody avoid God when you sin? I do. That's my MO. When I'm sin, I'm like, hey, God, what do you, how long? Like, I, it's like, how, how many hours in the, in, the, in the hole am I on that one, you know? It's like 24 hours, 48 hours. How long do we need to not be in community after that epic fall? I remember when I discovered, I think, that this is the thing about the enemy, the adversary, Satan. This is what I found about him. He is one of the most un- innovative people in the world, but he is consistent. Amen? I mean, he does the same things all the time. There's nothing new that he does, but my goodness, he's consistent. Anybody? You know, you always know it. You're like, well, that wasn't Jesus. That was certainly the enemy. Again and again. And this is, this is something that hit me. Uh, I remember I, I, I sin all the time. Does anybody else... Yeah, 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 I was watching this TV preacher the other day, 
because it was late at night, and I don't know why. I just sometimes like watching train wrecks. And so I was watching it. And he's like, I remember when I became a Christian, I just quit sinning. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You liar. It's amazing. So this is what I found out. I, I sin, right? So the enemy gets me, doggone it. Then he always gets me again. Like, do you, have, do you remember, remember that? You better remember. Remember that George Bush thing where he was like, fool me once. Uh, fool well, you can't fool me twice, right? I don't know if you remember that. But it's like, the enemy always gets you once. You know, you got me. And then he always gets you again because he convinces you to run away from God after you sin. You know? Like you, like, you sin against God, therefore it creates space between you and God. It gets you again. He's like, I get you once. I'll create a little space between you and God with your sin. And then I'm gonna convince you that you're not good enough to, to, to draw near to God, and so we, we start to push ourselves even further away. And this is, what's, this is the most beautiful thing about the cross. Are you ready? You're not good enough. Amen? Like, you weren't good enough before that sin. You're not good enough during the sin. You're not good enough. At, you were never good enough to approach the throne of grace, except through the cross. And I love it, David, he's in this terrible sin and he's done this horrible thing. And this is his response. God, I just had an affair, had a baby, uh, killed a man. God, would you, would you do a new work in my life? God, would you, would you, would you restore joy to me? God, would you, would you not run away from me? Rather, would you draw in me and would you sustain me? I mean, the audacity David has to beg of God to bring joy to him can only be answered by one thing. David understood gratitude. David was grateful to God. Who would have ever thought that in the midst of our sin, this is the time to be grateful? I'm sinning. This is no time to be grateful. False. This is the time to rejoice. And I was, as I was going through this, I was blown away. I'm like, look at this. I mean, when people are toxic towards you, rejoice. When you feel outcast, rejoice. When you sin, rejoice. What a picture of life in Christ. I'll give you another one. Psalms 3, 3 through 7. But you, Lord, you're a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to you, Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because he sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. That's maybe my favorite thing I've read in scripture. Break his teeth. And I love this because this is before veneers. Like, this is major damage to somebody. This is like torture. Like, Lord, break his teeth so for the rest of his life, he's got a, a cosmetic issue and an eating issue. You don't think about that, do you? Break his teeth. Like, right now, you're like, oh, my tooth broke. I'm going to go get a new one. This is not then. Lord, look, inflict cosmetic pain on them. Break his teeth. And I read this, and I go, what was going on? What was going on in David's life where he said, you're my shield, you lift my head, you're the one that answers, and even, yes, break his teeth. What was going on? 
This is the moment when David's son Absalom sought to take over his kingdom and he convinced men and the army that he was more appropriate to lead as king than David was and they began to attack him on every side and David said this, you're my shield, you lift my head, you're the one that answers. Have you ever had somebody really, really close to you hurt you? Have you ever had somebody really, really close to you hurt you? If you ever imagined in your wildest dreams, that moment should be an activator for gratitude. That seems like the last moment in the world to activate gratitude. Yet David began to rejoice in God. He began to rejoice in God's strength. And you know what I find? That old saying, you know, misery loves company. I don't know why that is. But you ever notice when things don't go wrong, you just, it just feels so good to be mad. It just feels so good to be nasty. Anybody? You ever just feel, man, feel good to be nasty. It feels good to think nasty thoughts about somebody and wish their car got in wrecks and they got overweight and, they, and, and, and think bad things happen. It just feels good to be nasty. Did you know it also feels good to be happy? And see, we have these two natures, right? We have a sinful nature and, and we have a spirit-filled nature. And there are certain feelings that come out of both of them because they're both living. Our sinful nature is alive and active and we can feed it and it can feel good. It can feel good to feel nasty. And we're like, I don't know, it doesn't feel bad. It feels kind of good. It's true. But it's just leading you to a bad place. Because you know, it also feels good to feel good. Anybody? Don't you know it feels good to feel good? It feels good to be happy. It feels good to smile. It feels good to be nice. That's one thing that never goes out of style. You know, being nice never goes out of style. Amen? And I'm not saying be fake, but I mean, being nice, just be happy. And I look at this, I look at David's life, and I, I was kind of taken back because I'm like, look at this guy. Just, just think about the, the, the totality of his life. He comes on the scene and Saul is jealous after him. He's like, I'm going to kill you. And somebody is so toxic towards David and yet David says, God, you're good. And he goes a little bit further and, and in, in the midst of somebody trying to kill him, he flees off to another king and he says, I will fight for you. And the king says, great. And then the king finds out who he is and he goes, get as far away from me as I can. David was rejected and David said, to God be the glory. You go a little further and David starts to have some wins. David becomes king and David's powerful and David sings to women. That always gets him, you know. David's up there just playing his harp, singing to the women, gets himself into a little bit of trouble. Kills a man, has a baby. Does bad, bad, bad things. And in humility, David says, to God be the glory. And David continues on his journey and his own son his own son says, I'm going to bring you down. And David says, to God be the glory. Well, just think about that. Think about, think about the posture and the spiritual maturity of a human being to walk through life like that. Think about the times that you get nasty. 
Just think about them. Are they anything like what David went through? Like how many of you get, I get nasty on the 91. I think that's okay though. I hate that highway. Milt just came up to me. He's like, would you ever move up here? I would not move up here simply because of the 91 freeway. I would never live anywhere near this town because of that highway. But that, I do nasty things on that highway. I cut people off. I say things I shouldn't say. I don't ever say to God be the glory. <laughs> Think about the times that you're nasty. Because you're nasty. Come on. You know? You got some ugly up in your heart. Amen? Everybody here does. And even when you're like this, you got some ugly like, you know, you know what's inside you. Like, Hi, Jill. You know that nasty up in you. You know it's in you. And I love David. I look at his life and I go, how did you go through all those things and always say, God, be the glory? Well, rejoicing isn't always rough. Psalms 31 through 3, I will exalt you, Lord. For you lifted me out of the depths. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. This was written to uh, commemorate, commemorate David's victory over the Philistines in 2 Samuel 8. David also had moments when God just swept in and did amazing things. And he said, yes, to God be the glory. But the message here is this. And when you understand this, you understand that Giving God praise and adoration is not about good circumstances. It's about maturity. You know, we're going to go through our whole lives. I, I say this often to my church, and I'll say it up here. Um, I had a, you know, obviously you guys would probably agree, I had a great dad, a great mom. I really did. They were, they were great. Um, they weren't perfect by any means, uh, Neither are you. <laughs> Neither are you. Um, but I, I, if there's one lesson that I, that I think sticks with me so much, and I, I, will, I will drive this into my children, it's this one. I can remember so many times going up to my mom and dad and saying, that's not fair. And you know what they said? Life's not. Can I just say something to you today? Life's not fair. As a matter of fact, if I look at my life on a, on a continuum of the things that, that I've gotten that I don't deserve, and if I look at the things that I've gotten that I do deserve, if I look at the things I have, I've gotten that I don't deserve, good and bad, because I've gotten a bunch of stuff I don't deserve good, and a bunch of stuff I've, I've gotten that bad. If I look at the, the, the percentage of things that I've gotten that I do deserve, that I flat out deserve. It's very small. See, life's not fair, good, and bad. Life's not fair, good, and bad. Life's not fair. Just not. And the more you try to make life fair, the more nasty and frustrated you're going to get. Life's not fair. But... God is in the midst of every single thing. And I look at David's story and I go, what a beautiful picture of maturity and growth and perspective 
and the way of walking. And then all of a sudden, you kind of go through this and you go, okay, so, so if I'm feeling the pains of others' toxicity towards me, rejoice. If I'm feeling the pains of loneliness, rejoice. If I'm feeling the pains of my own personal sins, rejoice. If I'm feeling the pain of other people hurting me, rejoice. If I'm feeling the joys of honor of God lifting my head, rejoice. This is the story of David's life. But the one theme that constantly went through it was, God, I will rejoice in you. So then all of a sudden you get to a verse like Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And it takes on some new meaning now. It takes on the meaning of when others are toxic, when you feel lonely, when you're sinning, when others hurt you, when God is for you, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's one I struggle with. When I get, when I, I don't know, I got something in me, man. When I get frustrated, I'm just, I'm not gentle at all. But you know, when I'm frustrated, it's because I'm not grateful. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Let me ask you a question. If, if you know at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you can find a refuge in God, then why be anxious? Now, let me stop for a minute. I want to say this. How much? I got a few minutes. Let me say this. You know why, you know why it's hard to trust God? In my opinion, why it's hard to trust God? Because what do we do when God doesn't come through? What do we do with that moment? You know, we're like, you know those moments where we're like, God, I trust you. And then it all falls apart. And you go, where were you on that one, God? What do we do with that tension? Like, don't be anxious about anything. Do you know why we're anxious a lot of times? Because we're trusting God. Or we're not trusting God, either one. But it creates anxiousness in us. You ever found yourself scared to trust God because what if God doesn't come through? And then what do you do with that? What do you do with that tension? You know what I would say? Live in it. Live in that tension. That's a good tension. Because when we trust God for something and God, quote, doesn't come through, and I'm not trying to give you some pastor answer. I'm being honest with you. It's because you're not ready. It's because God's still doing work in you. It's not that God hasn't said yes yet. It's just that, like, have you ever been like, hey, God, I'm really trusting you for something great, and God's like, that's so cute. <laughs> like, you really think you're ready for that, don't you? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, you're not. But I'll walk with you through that. I'll walk with you through that. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, God, I'm really trusting you for this, and I know in my spirit, God's like, hmm, come here. You're so cute. Buddy, you're not ready for that. You haven't, you haven't shown the discipline. You haven't shown the gentle spirit. You haven't shown the humility. You haven't shown the spiritual maturity for me to trust you with that. But I'll walk with you. I'll meet you in those caves. 
I'll meet you in those sins. I'll meet you when you're fleeing away from those that are hurting you. I'll, I'll meet you in that place of your brokenness when someone hurts you. I'll meet you there. I'll never leave you. And I love that David, all these things that David was going through, there was God walking him through it. Life's not fair. You're not ready for a lot of the things you're excited about, amen? Yesterday, my son learned to, to like I told you, and you were so, so gracious to applaud for me, my son learned to ride a bike. And uh, thank you, you guys are stop, stop. Um, and my, my, my other son, he's like, I wanna ride, you know, he's, he's two. I, I wanna ride one, and so, put the training wheels back on a different bike and he got on it. I want to ride this bike. And he, he, he sat on it and I'm like, pedal. And he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, pedal. What if you're there? What if you're like, God, I want to do this. God, I'm trusting for you this. And God goes, pedal. And you're like, Yeah. Like, what if you don't know what you need to know? Like, what if all those things David went through? What if David said, even when things don't go my way, I rejoice because God is developing and building beauty and maturity and greatness in me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Be anxious about, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every prayer, in every petition, with thanksgiving. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time something didn't go your way? You could probably pick it up this week, something, right? When was the last time something didn't go your way that you said, thank you, God? Thank you. I don't know why that happened. I don't know what to understand or what to make of this, but thank you, God. Because in every situation, I don't live in anxiousness. I live in a spirit of rejoicing and gratitude. Thank you, God. With every situation, present your request to God. And the peace of God, I love this, the peace of God, which transcends understanding. And I love this, will guard you. Will guard you. How many of you know you need to be guarded against yourself sometimes? Can anybody, here ever, uh, can anybody here be mentally or emotionally destructive to yourself? Anybody? I can. Josh, you're so short. That's not true. It is. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, you ever just beat yourself up? You're not smart. You're never going to do anything. This is never going to work. People don't like. You ever just beat yourself up? God's word says that gratitude and the spirit of God will guard you. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to say something uh, as I close down today. And the band can come up if they want. Um, actually, not if you want. Come up. Um, um, I was thinking about, um, my dad was like, oh, I'm going to talk about my, you know, the kingdom discipleship book today. And I was like, hey, can I talk about it? Is that all right? Like, every time I come up here, I got, like, a sham wow thing going. So I was like, can I, can I talk about it? Um, I remember 
when I first went through this book, um, I was in ninth grade. Um, and I remember going through it and I remember learning some of the most basic but most profound things in my life in, in ninth grade. Um, and I want to say this. If there's one thing I've understood, when I lack gratitude and joy and peace and stability, at the root of it is a lack of maturity. At the root of it's a lack of maturity. It's a lack of discipline and maturing in Christ. And I saw this book last night um, when I was at my, my parents' house and I was going through it and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, layout, this is really awesome. You did a great job. Um, and then I imagined um, myself and um, I'll tell you, we um, I started a, a couple technology firms over the last couple years and, and the technology firm that I'm, I'm leading right now, we've got a bunch of young uh, men that, that we've hired to work for us. None of them are Christians. Well, they weren't. They've been coming to our church for the last three or four months. And last Sunday, five of them accepted Christ after being to our church for three or four months. You know, it's good, right? Yeah, I was really excited. I like it when they accept them like months after. Sometimes they come week one, they get hyped up, they raise their hand. You're like, I don't know. Uh, but they came for a while and they accepted Christ. And I saw this book and I was like, I can't wait uh, to carve out time in my, my, my workplace, which is not a Christian workplace, to, to lead these young men through this discipleship book because I know that if they grow in maturity, that these things we talk about today will transcend in their life. It'll, it'll, it'll be. So I imagine them around our desks going through this. Um, and I just want to say, um, this is going to be seen like a strange parallel, but it's true. If you're lacking gratitude in your life, if you're lacking peace in your life, if you're, if you're lacking joy in your life, this is a great start. <laughs> Can you see yourself at, around the kitchen table or at work? hitting the pause button and getting in God's word and just fueling yourself up? Can you see yourself on lunch break or maybe at night with, with, with your spouse or hitting the pause button on Shark Tank or whatever it is you're watching and say, man, God, I'm just gonna get a little bit in the word tonight and I'm gonna mature because I wanna walk in joy. I wanna walk in wholeness. And uh, I was like, dad, I, you know, 20 bucks, like, all right, 20 bucks. Like, I just want to encourage you, uh, if I may. Um, I think it'd be really neat if, if for yourself, you grab this book and you said, man, I'm going to start my new year off like prepping upright. I'm going to grab this thing and I'm going to get into this thing and I'm going to mature and I'm going to, I'm going to put deposits into my heart. Because there's going to be times in life when, um, when people hurt you there's going to be times in life when you get rejected. There's going to be times in life in which you sin. And there's going to be times in life in which the people that love you most turn on you. And you're going to try to grab some stability, some foundation to fall flat on. And you better hope in that moment that you're familiar with God's word and you're familiar with God's presence and you're familiar with God's spirit because it will be the only thing and there's, that's the absolute reason why David went through all those moments and said to God be the glory because he was mature in Christ. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, you know, I get, I get 8% of all the things you buy on these and so, no, I'm just kidding. 
But I just think, I just think you'll be happier if you know God's word and if you put deposits in yourself, amen? Can I just pray a blessing over your joy today? Man, God, um, we are so human. We're so fragile. Every single one of us are just human and fragile. And we get, we get hurt. We get our hearts hurt. No matter how tough and cool and callous we, we pretend to be, God, we get hurt. People are mean and we sin and we feel isolated. But Father, you long to meet us in those moments and bring joy to our hearts. And God, we love you very much. In your name we pray, amen.